But this morning as we take a look at this, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 as we're continuing on this study and we're looking uh, this morning at the last two parts of the uh, armor, the last two parts of the armor of the Roman soldier. And so as the Roman soldier puts on that armor and he knows that he is putting it on for the purpose of going out to battle, And so, as we look at this, we're reminded, and I just want you to be reminded of this, every bit of the armor that the Apostle Paul is talking about here is for the purpose of defense. Even the the sword. Certainly we can use the sword as offense, but in this context of Scripture, he's talking about it in the context of defense. And so we are holding our position. We are holding our position, which is a position of victory, because our victory is in Christ. Amen? And so as we're holding that position of victory, and so we're taking a firm stand, and as we're taking the firm stand, we know that the devil is going to come after us with everything that he has. And so as this text of Scripture uh, tells us that, that, that we are standing firm against the schemes of the devil, and so as we're standing firm against the schemes of the devil, as we see right here in Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so if we're going to uh, to stand in that position of defense, we, we need to take up the helmet of salvation. And so as we look at the helmet of salvation and what we recognize about the helmet of salvation, the helmet uh, that was made for the Roman soldier, it was a metal helmet. It was specifically formed to fit his head. I don't know if any of you have ever put a helmet on. I know I've seen children sometimes and they'll put on bicycle helmets. You know, when we were kids, we didn't know what a bicycle helmet was, but they wear bicycle helmets. And so maybe it's a helmet that's too big for them. And you know, it's just bobbling around on their head. Probably isn't really doing them a lot of good. And so I put on, you know, when I used to ride motorcycles, I used to put on a helmet and as I put, sometimes I put that helmet on and uh, it, it'd just be a little bit too tight for me. Apparently I have a big head. And so I put that helmet on and you know, halfway through that motorcycle ride, feels like your your brains are fixing to pop out of your ears. I remember when I played football in school, and so you know they they had uh, uh, air pockets on the inside of them, and the coach would put that valve on the top of that, and he'd start pumping it up, and he'd, I think sometimes it pump it up so much your eyeballs are about to pop out of your head. And they wanted to make sure that it, it was a firm fitting helmet, make sure it was secure. And so that's the way it was with the Roman soldier's helmet. It was specifically designed for them. And on the outside of that would be a layer of hide, a layer of thick hide that would also give a layer of protection as well. And so, of course, this helmet was designed to protect the head. Amen. So it has this Helmet was designed to protect the head. What we see about the helmet of salvation and understand about the helmet of salvation when it comes to the spiritual sense, we recognize what it's used for in the physical sense with the Roman soldier, but when we look at it in the spiritual sense, what we see about the helmet of salvation, it isn't the promise of salvation for those who are lost. It isn't the promise of salvation to the sinner. Instead, it is the protection of salvation to those who are saved. So not the promise of salvation to the sinner, but the protection of salvation to those who are saved. 
because we are saved, because we are children of God, because we are bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, because we're born again, because we're sealed in the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, we are under God's divine protection. Amen? And so as we're under God's divine protection, I keep hearing, I keep hearing folks all the time saying, well, the devil's coming after me. The devil's going to get me. The devil's on the attack. Well, friends, in reality, we don't have to understand. We don't have to worry about the devil. Amen? We don't have to worry about him. We don't have to worry about his attack. That doesn't mean that we're gonna, we've got to be ignorant. It doesn't mean that we don't, as the Bible says right here, take up the helmet of salvation. And so I believe as the Word of God is telling us right here to take up the helmet of salvation, what is it telling us to do? Walk in it. Amen? Walk in that divine protection that God has given to you. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Don't lose focus. As uh, Brother Derwin was just talking about just a moment ago, don't lose focus upon God and don't give the devil so much credit that we cower down and we hide and we're like ostriches that are hiding their heads in the sand, but we walk in faith in that divine protection that God has given to us and understand that God has given to us that divine protection. If you're saved, understand that is an everlasting salvation. If you're saved, friends, the Word of God tells us that God doesn't just save, but He saves to the uttermost. Amen? So you are saved. You are under that divine protection of God. And as you're under that divine protection of God, we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil as the Bible tells us right here and tells us in many other places within Scripture, but we don't need to be worried about the devil. Now if you're lost, if you're not saved, or if you're walking in the flesh as a saved person, then yeah, you need to be worried about the devil. But if you're saved, if you're born again, born with the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're walking in faith in Jesus Christ, friends, we need to be aware of His schemes and know about His schemes, but we don't need to be worried about His schemes because who is more powerful than God? Nobody's more powerful than God. Amen? He is almighty. He is all-powerful. He is all-sovereign. And friends, He is there for us every single step of the way. I heard a preacher say one time, you know, people worrying about the devil getting to them. He said, well, if the devil gets to you, first of all, the very first thing he's going to have to do is pry open the hands of God because the Bible says that we're in his hands. Amen. So the very first thing that he's going to have to do is going to have to pry open the hands of God. The second thing that he's going to have to do is wade through the blood of Jesus. And then the last thing he's going to have to do is pry open the seal of the Holy Spirit that is upon your life. And then as he closed in that, he said, if it gets that far, that's going to be one saved day. Amen. By the time he gets to that point. But we know he's not ever going to get to that point. Amen. So we look at the Word of God. We understand our security and salvation. We understand that God saves to the uttermost. But that doesn't mean that we need to be foolish in our walk with Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't need to stay focused in our walk in Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't need to stay in tune with Jesus Christ because even as a Christian we could put ourselves in very uh, in very bad positions and very bad situations and we understand that no soldier whatsoever would ever enter into the battlefield without that helmet on their head right 
No soldier would ever enter into that, that, that arena of battle without that helmet on their head. Because if that soldier ever entered into that arena of battle without that helmet on their head, it was almost guaranteed that they're not going to walk out of there. They're probably going to get a death blow that is going to annihilate them and they will be no more. So the very first thing that we need to know is that we need to know that we know that we know that we have that, that helmet and the only way that we're going to receive that helmet is by receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then friend, you don't have that protection. You don't have that helmet of salvation. You're walking out there on your own. And if you're walking out there on your own, then friends, you need to be worried. In fact, you need to be very worried because you are out there on your own and the devil is going to come out there and he's going to steal kill and destroy. He's roaming to and fro seeking whom he may devour and you have no defense. You're walking out there in the midst of the battle whether you know there's a battle or not and he's going to pounce on you and you have no means of protection and he is going to utterly destroy you. He is going to ruin you and everything about you. And we see it every day, do we not? Every day we're seeing that very thing take place. We say, well, this person needs counseling or this person needs to straighten their act up or this person needs to make better choices or this person needs to do this or that and they get better education, whatever they need to do. Well, that person needs Jesus. <laughs> Amen? That person needs Jesus. They need to be saved. That's what they need to do. And so when we begin to recognize this, if you're not a child of God, you're not walking in the divine protection of God. But if you are a child of God, you're walking in the absolute protection of God. Because when you went into the battle, this is what would take place. The Bible goes on right here, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. It says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we have a sword. The Roman soldier had a sword. But the enemy has a sword too. Amen? And so that enemy would take that sword, and as that enemy would take that sword, that sword that the enemy had would be about three and a half feet to four feet long, and it was for the absolute purpose of aiming towards your head. And so as that, that enemy had that sword, and he was coming down after you, and he wanted to get a hold of your head to put a big old slice in your head to take you out, that was the purpose of that sword to take you out. And so as he's aiming for the head, he's aiming for the mind, that's exactly what our enemy is doing today as well. He is aiming for the head. He is aiming for the mind. And if you don't have the protection of God upon you, it's going to be a death blow for you, friend. Amen? It's going to be a death blow for you. But I also want you to understand this. If you're a child of God, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if you're bought 
with the blood of Jesus Christ and you're not aware of the schemes of the devil and you get distracted and you get discouraged and you get disgruntled or whatever it is that you give and there it is that we, we, we lose focus of the things of God because when the devil attacks I want you to understand that the devil comes after us in really three different ways. Brother Derwin didn't know I was going to be preaching on this but he hit the nail on the head just a little while ago. There's really three different ways that the devil comes after the Christian. The devil comes after the Christian with discouragement. Amen? He'll get them discouraged. The devil comes after the Christian with doubt. God, are you really there? God, are, do you really have my back? God, I feel like I'm all alone. And the devil comes after you with distraction. Amen? So those three ways, there's a lot of ways that the devil can come after you, but those are the three prominent ways that the devil always comes after the Christian, comes after the child of God. He'll try to get you discouraged, or he'll try to put doubt within your mind, or he'll try to distract you in some kind of way. And you know, when we look in the Word of God, we see that very clearly in uh, in the Word of God. We see it with the prophet Elijah. And so the prophet of Elijah, he was there, and man, God moved and such a phenomenal way. He called fire out of heaven and when fire came down out of heaven it consumed 450 of the prophets of Baal and so when we see in that text of scripture what a mighty thing that God did. Amen. And so as fire came down out of heaven and wouldn't you like to have been a child of God standing there just seeing that. Amen. Not even necessarily being the one that called fire out of heaven but you're a child of God and you just saw that. I mean that would light you up in a good way. Amen. I like like the prophets of Baal, but in a good way. And so as we see that, here the fire of God fell out of heaven. 450 of the prophets of Baal were consumed by the fire of God that fell out of heaven. And then you'd think that a revival would break out ever after that. You would think that all of Israel would turn back to the Lord after that. But then Queen Jezebel, who was really King Jezebel, she sent word out and it got to Elijah that I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I mean, here's a man that just saw fire fall out of heaven and consume 450 prophets. Then he gets word from the queen, I'm going to kill you. And it wasn't an idle threat either. I mean, she's the queen, right? She had every soldier at her disposal. It, it was not an idle threat in any way, shape, or form. And he knew that she meant business. And he knew that she was mad because he knew she's the one that got those prophets there in the first place. Made her look like a fool. So what did he do? He ran out in the wilderness and he hid. Sat up under a juniper tree. And as he sat up under that juniper tree, he said, God, just take me now. Just take my life. Just kill me. Just do away with me. Don't you think he was a little discouraged? Amen? Don't you think a little bit of doubt came into his mind? God, are you really there? Yeah, I saw what you did, but now I'm worried about Jezebel. Don't you think he got a little distracted? He was in the wilderness sitting underneath the juniper tree pouting about a threat rather than being amongst God's people doing what God's called them to do. So see all those things happening in the life of Elijah and friends, they happen to us too. Amen? 
Every one of us can say amen. You know that you can say amen. We all get discouraged. We all have that doubt that comes into our mind every now and then. We all have those times of distraction where we ought to be focused on the things of God. We ought to be focused on God Himself. And yet we get distracted and so as the devil brings that discouragement. Man, we live in such a wicked world today. This world is just outright wicked. And it seems like the wicked are prospering more and more and more. And it seems like the righteous are suffering more and more and more. And isn't that a time uh, that we ought to be the most discouraged? Isn't that a time that we ought to be in the most doubt? Isn't that a time then we ought to be the most distracted? But friends, we shouldn't be because God has a plan and it's all coming to fulfillment right in front of our very eyes. God said these things are going to take place, and they are. Amen? Right there in His Word, He tells us exactly what's going to take place, and we're seeing these things unfold before our very eyes. You say, as a Christian, this is the worst generation that we could ever live in. I say, absolutely not. As a Christian, this is the best generation that we could ever live in. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Amen? But oh, just look in the Word of God and examine what's going on in the world today and we're seeing God's hand at work. God's mighty hand at work. For those who seem to be winning right now are going to realize pretty quickly, I believe, how badly they're really losing. Amen? I believe they're going to see that pretty quickly. And I pray that they all get saved. That every single one of them comes to Jesus. But if they don't, they're in for a very rude awakening. And so when we look at this and we understand the schemes of the devil and we look at Ephesians chapter 4, just one chapter or two chapters back, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. This is what the Apostle Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. He says, as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Tossed to and fro. Whatever way the wind's blowing, that's where we're going to be tossed to. Chasing after this newest, latest, greatest fad. When that dies down in a few years, then we're going to start chasing after this newest Latest, greatest, fad. When that dies down a few years, then we're going to go this way, and we're going to go that way, and we're we're on such a roller coaster ride that we don't know where we're going, and we don't know what we're doing. Amen? Paul said, don't be those people. Don't be those people. Because it's all eyes of the devil. It's all to get us discouraged and get us in doubt and to get us distracted. And so what we need to do is keep our eyes focused upon Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen? So when we look at this and we begin to understand this, yes, as a child of God, we have divine 
protection, but understanding when we get into those times of discouragement, we get into those times of doubt, we get into those times when uh, we could get distracted and we'll get very easily distracted. And all of us do from time to time understand your life is protected, your eternal life is protected, your salvation is absolutely protected, but understand that sword can still come down and hit the one in the head that has the helmet of salvation on and it's still going to rattle you. Amen? It's still going to rattle you. You're still going to get shook up and it's going to hurt. Amen? It's not a death blow, but oh friends, it's going to hurt. Several years ago when I was in my early 20s, I was a painter and sandblaster. I'd always painted water towers and I decided to get a safe job and where I was just working on the ground all the time and so I got a safe job, all right. And I was on the ground and behind me a blast hose went off and you know, just imagine a, a, a fire hose. You know, when they go off, they're just flipping and flopping all over the place and all that pressure behind them. And so it was behind me and they didn't know it and so as it was behind me and I didn't know it, that three and a half inch brass nozzle rose up and I had my, I had my blast hood on, which is a helmet. And it rose up and just whacked me right in the side of the head. I mean, it just whacked me right in the side of the head. And it rattled my brains for a minute. It shook me up. I didn't know what in the world was going on. I don't know what in the world just hit me. They made me go to the doctor, went to the doctor. The doctor asked, they did it knock you out? I said, I don't know. I don't know if it knocked me out or not. Then the doctor was being a bit of a smart aleck. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I behaved myself. I didn't want to, but I did. He said, well, are you pregnant? I probably didn't look at him too politely when he said that. And I said, no. So did it knock you out? That's a yes or no question. So I'll put it to you like this. I didn't fall on the ground, but I didn't know where I was at for a minute or so. Kind of scrambled my brains for a minute, but I'm okay now. Amen? So you tell me, Doc. Did it knock me out? Because <laughs> I don't know. See, as a Christian, we can get our brains a little bit scrambled sometimes when we lose focus and Satan comes and knocks us over the head. It's not a death blow, but we might not know where we're at for a minute. Amen? And it hurts. And it's going to hurt for a while and it may even have lasting implications. Friends, we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. We need to be focused. We need to be focused on Jesus. We need to be aware of the schemes of the devil, as the Word of God tells us, but we need to be focused on Jesus. And how do we do that? How, how, do, how do we not do that, first of all? By living in sin. The Apostle Paul told the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this, he says, But I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual men, but to, as, as men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ, as carnal men, he's saying. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? 
So in other words, the Apostle Paul said that I've come to, I I wrote this, I wanted to give you some meat to chew on. I wanted to give you some adult food to chew on. I wanted to give you some meat that you could chew on that, 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 that could help you grow and help you mature, but you're acting like carnal men, so what I had to do is give you some milk. In other words, I had to spoon feed you some baby food because you weren't ready to handle the meat. Amen? Why? Because you're acting like carnal men. You're fleshly, he's saying right there. You couldn't handle the meat of the Word of God because you're fleshly. You see, when we allow fleshliness to enter into our lives, even as a Christian, you can't handle the meat of the Word of God. That's a dangerous place to be in as a Christian. Is it a death blow? No. You better believe Satan will rattle our brains when he gets the opportunity. Amen? And it'll hurt. Might hurt us, might hurt our family, might hurt our church, might hurt our community. It's going to hurt. So what do we need to do? We need to do what God tells us to do. We need to take up not only the helmet of salvation, but we need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Did you notice that these two are a little different than all of the rest of them? All of the rest of them are individually divided. All of the rest of them are their own individual pieces. All of the rest of them are set to the side, but here... There's a joining of the two. There's a joining of the helmet of salvation and there's a joining of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So in other words, these two go hand in hand. Amen? So not only do you have the helmet of salvation, for when that devil comes and that devil comes and he has that sword and he's fixing to whack you over the head with him. Not only do you have the helmet of salvation for your protection just in case he does whack you over the head with it, but you have the Word of God to block it. Amen? Devil, you're a liar. Devil, everything you say is a lie. Devil, all you have is schemes. You're the father of lies. That's what Jesus said. And I'm not going to believe your lies. I'm going to believe the truth of the Word of God. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm going to continue to walk with God. I'm not going to give, uh, be in doubt. I'm going to believe that the Word of God is true. I don't care how I feel at the moment. I don't care about what I see at the moment. God, your Word is absolute truth. And God, I'm not going to get distracted how am I going to stay in tune with you one of the ways I'm going to stay in tune with you is being in tune with the word of God and if the word of God says to pursue it I'm going to pursue it with every ounce of energy that I have and if the word of God says to abstain from it then I'm going to run as far away from it as I can and when the devil comes to persuade me with his lies I'm going to put up the word of God as my defense devil you're a liar let God be found true and every man a liar. Amen? Because this is truth. God is truth. 
Jesus is truth. The way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. But if you have too much fleshliness within you to absorb the Word of God, to chew on the meat of the Word of God. What do you do? Well, you need to repent of that fleshliness. Amen? You need to get that fleshliness out of your life. How do you do that? You do it the same way you got saved. You just put your faith in Jesus. Jesus, I've allowed all this junk to come into my life, all this mess, all this garbage. And I've done it. I don't have anybody else to blame but myself. It was all me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Put me back on that path that you'd have me to be walking on. Amen? Now, there may be somebody here today that needs to be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never called upon the name of Jesus Christ to save you, friends, would you do it today? Right now, Brother Derwin, Miss Doyce, and Hannah comes on up for this time of invitation. Would you do it today? Trust in Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Friend, it's not if he'll save you. He will save you if you put your faith and your trust in him. How do I know he wants to save me? Well, he went to the cross for you. What greater statement that I love you and I want to save you is there than that? Amen? But if you're saved and you allowed that junk to come into your life, There's some repentance that you need to do on your part. I'll be happy to pray with you. This altar's open. You could turn that chair where you're at right there into an altar and just do business with the Lord. Everybody stand.